Mature, Mature content. content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to TV and Tarot Talk, The Walking Dead Edition. This is episode five, and in today's episode, we will be exploring the Hierophant card. I'm your host, Nye Thrice. And I'm Meg Watson. Thanks for tuning in. The aim of this podcast is to explore tarot in a chill, casual, and fun way through the lens of TV and pop culture. TV and tarot is meant to be a safe place to explore concepts as stories and shows can serve as a shared experience to build an understanding from. Uh, For the Walking Dead series set on this podcast, we will only be covering the 22 major arcana cards and a few bonus episodes peppered in along the way. Before we deep dive into another TV series, this is a rewatch spanning the whole of the Walking Dead. Spoilers ahead. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Warning! 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 Spoiler! Housekeeping items. Spotify still being spotty. (laughs) 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 I don't know what's going on with Spotify. Um, I've submitted the thing. It's been accepted. It's just not showing up, and I don't know if it's it's because I can't see it on my end, or maybe we need more content before it. decides to show up i'm not sure um i'll I'll keep looking and keep you guys posted also i know we talked about podcatchers but they are also our episodes are not also on youtube there's no visuals it's just audio for now but uh but just another place in case you you might not have the space on your phone to actually download podcasts and stuff like that but want to still check us out so there you go um that's all i have for housekeeping meg do you have anything uh, the first of the tie-in tarot spreads is now up on Instagram, and more will be coming. So go check out our Instagram at tarot underscore nerds. Very good. Love the tie-in spreads. I'm excited about that. All right. So we have the Hierophant. Hier- Hierophant. <laughs> oh, God. What is happening? All right, we have the Hierophant on deck today. Meg, would you like to... Did you do keywords? I did. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you want to go ahead with the with your keywords. Okay, we have tradition, religious institutions, formal instruction, initiation, outer way and secret doctrine, guiding spiritual growth, marriage, intermediary between God and humanity, Ethics and morality, orthodoxy, obedience, dogma, convention and conformity, ceremony, status quo, guidance, uh, learning education, tradition and heritage, religion, wise spiritual counsel, insight, um, conventional wisdom and understanding, divine law, conformity, established codes or behavior or of belief that did not come out clean. 
uh, belief system, organized religion, theological doctrine, marriage ceremony, pontification. It's a, you know, the hierophant is mad heavy, yo. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's heavy stuff. Um, as people, uh, you know, you have rabbis, priests, preachers, popes, gurus, senseis, spiritual leaders, swamis, imams, tatas, babalaos, godfathers. And then you have the educational part, which is like educators, um, students because of the people at the bottom of the card. Um, but figureheads, conformists, traditionalists, tutors, headmasters, advisors, spiritual masters, teachers, and professors. Do you think that a political figurehead is also apt? I do. Because, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a structure, like a, le a leader of a... It's the, the institution and the leader of that institution. Right. Right. Okay. All right. And then um, we have the Taurus is the zodiac sign that corresponds to the Hierophant um, ruled by Venus. And the element is Earth. Which sounds so crazy that this is a whole Venus situation. <laughs> Yeah, but but most people, you know, have a very deep love appreciation for these figureheads, mm -hmm. you know, period. <laughs> okay. All right. So with all that being uh, laid down, let's go ahead and uh, jump into how it might tie into the show. Would you like to start? Uh, well, the most obvious one I think is probably Gabriel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, when we meet him, he is, I don't know, in uniform. He's wearing the collar. He's outside the church. They have to rescue him. Um, but then he brings them back to the church, and that is a, a safe space for a, a little while. Mm-hmm. He's very convicted in his in his way of his his morality. He doesn't want to fight. He he can't defend himself in a physical way. He mm -hmm. he he's very much in his belief that prayer is going to do it all mm -hmm. for a really long time. Yeah, um, up in, up until Alexandria, really. Right, right, up until. Um, yeah, when he says we've been praying and this and that, and that, you know, God gave us, God gave us the courage to, um, you know, defend ourselves or something, something along mm -hmm. those lines, he says, but yeah. all the way up until that point, you know, he doesn't fight. He's, he kind of sits in the sidelines. He's watching how Rick and team is dealing with things. And he is very disturbed by what he's seeing it mm -hmm. it bothers him morally uh ethically and but i think i think some of that is is also kind of guilt because mm -hmm. you know he was alone in that church for so long because he locked out his congregation right so there's a 
moral ambiguity mm-hmm. at, at the beginning of it. Um, mm-hmm. He's still trying to figure out how to reconcile what he did with who he believes himself to be and uh, who he wants to be. Facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gabriel's a very interesting character, uh, to be sure, because... A lot of growth in, in Gabriel. Yeah, because him locking out the congregation and having guilt with that, it is almost the... He killed them in a passive way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really think he it was his intention, but he knew what was out there. He knew what was happening, yeah. but he was just very, very scared. Well, it's, it's like you don't really think about what's happening inside the church in the Five of Pentacles, but that's pretty much what's going on. <laughs> Oh, Gabriel's in there going like, eh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. I didn't even think about the five of pentacles, but yep, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then he finally kind of gets that backbone, right? But then he, he finds that backbone and I'm, I'm even going so far as to say him and the, doesn't Gabriel and the Pope have a conversation at one point? Oh, God, I haven't gotten there on the rewatch. I, I haven't gotten there either, but I'm pretty sure it's either he had a conversation with the Pope or he had a conversation with a different religious figurehead that was in part of the Reapers. And their conversation was like, basically, it made me kind of go, damn, Gabriel, you're scary. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, especially coming from this humble beginnings, if you will, up to, oh, Mm -hmm. man, you're creeping me the fuck out, man. Like, oh, he, he, I'm, I'm at the, uh, the part where he and Negan are trapped in that trailer. Oh yeah. That's good too. Yeah. And the look on his face when he's like, maybe I'm supposed to take your confession. You're yeah. just like, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He gets, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that because he's taking that. I mean, he's, he creeps out Negan from the get-go. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he sidles the hell out of Negan when he comes in and he's asking what happened to Maggie. Yeah. And he's like. He just he scares the hell out of Negan. All right, I'm gonna have to plug in that clip because I love Negan. Hilarious. I, I love Negan's reaction to that. He's like, "God <laughs> damn, you're creepy." <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, but yeah, uh, I do love that Gabriel goes from one extreme to another extreme, and then he he um, averages averages out. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> he even his temperament and his outlook on on things kind of even out towards the end of the show is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to get at. You know, because he gets his flock back and saves them and all that fun stuff. Well, like as he's figuring his own stuff out, he's better able to give advice to other people. Like you see his advice kind of slowly coming out. Yeah, and it becomes that it fits more for the world that they live in than the world they used to live in. Yeah, yeah. and it's not so, like, by the book. It's from personal experience. True. Like, he has a great um, talk with Rosita in uh, Season 7, Episode 12. And now they're gone, and I'm here because I was stupid enough to listen to you. But you were. And you did. 
You stand there telling people about their lives. Only if they come here. Like you. Right now. You don't know shit about shit. You're right. I don't. I said that you weren't supposed to die. And that you shouldn't do the thing that you were planning to do. Because we needed you. Still do. Even a fool like me could see that. It's easier to be dead. And if it's my fault you're alive, well, I'm just going to have to live with that. I decided to meddle. But I did something I thought was right. And I knew the stakes were very high. You can certainly blame me for the fact that you have a life. But after that, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to make what needs to happen, happen? Anything is possible until your heart stops beating. Certainly more than yelling at a fool. He he does give good pep talks. Mm-hmm. They're really understated, I think, for a while. Like maybe underappreciated, but oh, um, when they're at the satellite station, hmm. and he and Jesus are both giving advice to Tara. Hmm. There's something so funny about that to me. The fact that it's Gabriel the priest and a guy who calls himself Jesus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, the the show itself has a large Christian overtone um, in general, which mm-hmm. makes sense for the imagery of, like, writer Waite Smith uh, tarot and stuff. Well, they keep finding churches. And, I mean, granted, they start off in Georgia, so there's yeah. going to be churches in rural Georgia. But they it's a, it's a theme. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Herschel's also very religious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he definitely, um, I don't know, I guess if we're pulling in through just that religious context um, and, and knowing that the there's Christian overtones um, where he says, you know, they talked about there being like a resurrection and he's like, I didn't think it would be like this though. <laughs> you know, it was like really dark humor, but yeah. Um, much of those kind of interesting. And he was religious, but I don't think he like pushed his, his religiousness on everybody really. Um, no, not at all. Gabriel, he fumbles a lot in the beginning because yeah. he, like he he walks up to Maggie and he's trying to talk to her and she's like you know you know she basically says you know this is it's not a church it's just four walls and a roof yeah because she's just not with it right now <laughs> yeah and and he needs to he just he doesn't have a grasp on at that point what's really going on and he tries to give people advice that don't necessarily need it at the moment he just can't read the room yeah uh for well, I mean, he's been on his own, like completely alone for months. Yeah. 
Yeah, because he he can't really read the world because yeah, he, he's been isolated. He forgot how to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True, true, true. I mean, he is the one who he actually does take Negan's confession. Like that's when we learn the most about Negan's past is when they are trapped in that um the trailer outside of well within the walls of the sanctuary but surrounded by a horde. Yeah. I st- I still I still love that he makes that face like, oh, yeah, you're going to give me your confession, guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Negan is immediately like, no, that's never going to happen. And then like five minutes later, he's like, so it all started when. <laughs> because Negan can't shut up. <laughs> I know. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> and he just he does legitimately want to get things off his chest. Like, yeah, you can tell he has not told anybody a lot of this stuff. Mm hmm. And how funny that he's telling it to the, uh, someone who just creeps him out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I don't have anything else for Gabriel. Yeah, me either. I guess if we want to keep on going with characters, I like Dale is a very hierophanty character. Mm-hmm. Um, he he definitely gets on his soapbox a lot. Yeah. He is the... He's mor- very sure of where he stands morally and ethically. Yes, yes, he exactly. He is the morality police. He, <laughs> He's not, you know... <clears throat> so re- uh, I guess the biggest part starts with um, them being in the CDC. Mm-hmm. The impending doom of the CDC getting ready to blow up. Andrea wants to stay. And he's like, if you're staying, I'm staying. And she's like, dude, I'm making a choice. And he's like, and then so she leaves so that he doesn't get killed because, mm-hmm. you know, so he guilts her in- anyways. So, and Dale's like, I'm just trying to, because he doesn't think suicide is the the thing to do. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like takes for granted that he has the authority to make that decision. And that's why Andrea is so pissed. She's like, it wasn't your decision to make. Right, right. Like, you basically emotionally blackmailed me into right. continuing. Yeah, because she didn't want, she said it. The only reason I'm, I'm still here is because I didn't want your blood on my hands. Mm-hmm. If you were saying that you're staying because of me, then, you know. Now, even, even though Dale is, like, such a busybody or whatever, he does make a lot of sense in many in many cases. I think one of the more prolific situations that he is the morality police about is when they are all trying to, to to decide what to do with Randall. Yeah. And that whole, that kind of ties into a different point that I have in general, which is um, just the morality and ethics of the show itself um, is what makes the show very intriguing to watch mm-hmm. because it's basically a, really long series of would you rather (laughs) right oh my god that's true and so there's gonna be certain situations that stand out more because they're either more more gray to consider and think about if it was you or or just the nature of the topic itself it's just Mm -hmm. like this thing i don't know i'm still stuck on this. how much you change your mind as you're going like Similar situations, but being like, I would make a different choice knowing now what I know. Sure, sure. 
And uh, so, yeah, so that's what I think I find the most intriguing about this show. Why I can I know I can watch it again, like in two years from now and see it completely different because because of maybe new wisdom that I have in my, you know, within my life that goes, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, this is not the right move, you know. Mm but anyways, kind of getting back to the Randall situation, we basically have a 12 angry men kind of episode yeah, where they're trying to decide the fate of Randall. And Dale is basically the one person who's saying, are we really standing around here discussing executing this kid? Snap's neck. I thought about that. Shooting may be more humane. What about the body doing that? Oh, 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 hold on, hold on. You're talking about this like it's already decided. You've been talking all day. Going around circles. You just want to go around circles again? This is a young man's life. And it is worth more than a five-minute conversation. Is this what it's come to? We kill someone because we can't decide what else to do with them. You saved him. And now look at us. He's been tortured. He's going to be executed. How are we any better than those people that we're so afraid of? Yeah. And Carol's not trying. To, she's like, just leave me out of it. I don't even want oh, to yeah. know. Oh, yeah, she's just, nope. And, you know, I'm, I was thinking about it last night, and I was like, no, Dale is absolutely right. And yeah. no, nobody stood with, with Dale. If you didn't want, if you, if this was going to be the outcome why even bother to save him and bring him? Yeah. Uh, uh, Randall. Because he fell off that roof. He got his leg caught in, in the fence. There was a bunch of uh, walkers coming. And they save him. They bring him to the farm. They stitch him up. And then next thing you know, they're talking about, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do we send him away? Do we keep him? What do we do? You know? And, and that's the first time that they're ever put in that situation. Like, they go through it several more times over the course of the show. But that's the first time that they actually have to make the decision about what do we do with basically a criminal. Yeah. Well, is he even really – because at that point in time, at that point in time, who's the one who actually even brought up that as an option? Was it Shane? Probably. (laughs) I mean, he was very vehemently like, this is how it's got to be. Yeah. Because otherwise, I'm thinking to myself, why not just, you know, basically keep him and use him? Like, don't maybe don't put a gun in his hand or something, you know, keep him mm-hmm. on watch. But why not just keep him and maybe integrate him into the group? He's young. He's by himself. He's obviously he's freaking the hell out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like you don't have enough people to keep watch on him. Yeah. At that time, it's literally, I don't know. But anyways, Dale had it right. And I think this is going to tie back to when, we, when I was saying that Glenn is better than me when it comes to Nicholas. Oh, my I'm, God, yeah. That I'm curious if the whole reason why Glenn tried so hard with Nicholas is because he never backed Dale up on the Randall situation and he felt like he needed to really... Yeah, because Dale immediately turned to Glenn and was like, are you okay with this? Because he knew that Glenn would be yeah, more likely to agree with him. Yeah, and Glenn kind of didn't really say anything either way. Yeah. And Glenn felt really guilty about that. Yeah. 
So I, I'm curious if, um, like I said, if, if, if Glenn trying to help Nicholas out is because of, or dealing, you know, with him, it has a lot to do with uh, Dale at all. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay, we might. Well, and then we had, and then in like season six, we have Glenn talking Daryl out of going after Dwight um, after Denise's death. Right. Where he's like, "You're doing this for you. You're not doing this for her. You're not doing this for us. Mm-hmm. You're not doing this because of him. Like you're doing this for you." Yeah, yeah. I think those are like the big two Dale moments. I mean, he has other ones too, but um, that's yeah, all, that's all I really have for <laughs> for Dale. Do you have uh, your next point? Do you have another? Um, Oceanside okay. for secrecy. Like they are fully hidden. They ran away and found this, ran away from a previous place mm-hmm. after a run in with the Saviors and um, have a completely hidden community that their rule is we kill strangers on sight. Like it is top fucking secret and swearing Tara to keep that secret like making her promise not to tell anybody Yeah, and then she has that kind of you know moral dilemma about whether or not to tell everybody about Oceanside and the guns that they desperately need yes yeah that's a that's a really difficult one for Tara she she grapples with that real hard Especially after finding out that Denise is dead, like most people would be, hey, I know where we can get guns. And Tara is still like, but I made a promise. Yeah. Yeah. She basically kind of forced them to participate in the war. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely an ethical gray area, uh, a moral gray area. Um, but she did what she thought was right, ultimately. When and and that was when her back was all the way against the wall. Yeah. Or when th- them as communities, their backs was just that much against the wall. Where she's like, okay, nope, we all have to fight. <laughs> There's no choice in the matter. Um, well, and when when Rick is like, you don't have to feel bad, and then she's like, I, but I do, and I do, and then they go and they get the guns, and as they're leaving, she's like, you know, you're right, I don't have to feel bad. Yeah. Um, and it's funny as you brought up Oceanside and that would have completely fit with the High Priestess card. Oh, yeah. Um, in terms of their being hidden and then the actual symbolic reference of the ocean and mm-hmm. and all matriarchy and stuff like that. Okay. Digression. <laughs> <laughs> I know we talked a little bit about Eastman. Um, in the Empress episode, mm-hmm. but uh, in terms of the Hierophant, you know, he is bringing a different f- a philosophical, spiritual viewpoint to to Morgan, mm-hmm. um, and he mentors him in in that uh, that doctrine, if you will, and so that uh, relates back to the Hierophant in that way. Do you uh, do you have any more kind of character points? Um, Michelle. Okay. Um, it's part of that kind of learning through personal experience with um, season seven, episode eight, when 
Michonne is talking to Rick about, oh, I had to do things my way. Um, we're still alive. We're still here. I'm going to keep standing. How do we make that mean something? Um, fighting to keep the traditions of free communities. Mm-hmm. Fighting to maintain a status quo, but not um, not rigidly. I think it's mostly just finding meaning and um, keeping people together. She's got that kind of um, watching over the flock kind of vibe. Oh yeah, like like recreating what this what they want the status quo to be, mm-hmm. um, while including the the well being of of all the members and all the communities, mm-hmm. right? Because. Uh, she is the one who who creates the charter amongst the communities, mm-hmm. um, which is a collective doctrine, right? It's not really necessarily rules and regulations, but it is more of a of an ethical code about how they should treat each other. Yeah, and how they can have each other's back, um, which gets proven when the whispers come through wreaking havoc. And then, um, and then of course, Rick also, just kind of bouncing off of that, Rick also makes that status quo happen after All Out War is done. And he tells them to not let Negan die mm-hmm. and use Negan as basically a prisoner of war. Mm-hmm. Because then he's like, this is the status quo. This is what we do with people who are going to be rogue and terrorize us and blah, 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 blah. We're not going to kill them. We're going to lock them up. Um, And that that ties all the way back to um, after Dale dies and he's – Rick says that we're going to try to make decisions like Dale would to honor him. Yeah. So that kind of tying back into that tradition and that um, moral leadership. Yeah. And also, um, Morgan, as a part of that, carrying on Eastman's moral philosophy. Mm-hmm. Because he's the one who builds the, the cell in the first place. Yeah. He's, because he wants to give Rick options. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. We we can make other choices possible. Right, right. Yeah. Definitely a communal ethical, moral um, culmination point by the end of the mm-hmm. all-out war where all these different um, pieces that have been so traumatizing for everybody mm-hmm. to, to level out at some point to where it's satisfying for... Like, basically, it, it comes down to that saying that it's always... It's a good compromise if nobody's really completely happy. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, okay, I guess that works. And the other people are like, all right, I guess that works. Like nobody's completely happy, but it works. And that's what that culmination becomes because Maggie is clearly not happy. Daryl's clearly not happy about Negan being locked up. But everybody else is like, okay, at least there's no more killing happening. And this is what it's going to take to make it be peaceful to, you know, even if it's a tumultuous piece, then 
then it works for us. So yeah. yeah. Like being who you want to be, being the community that you want to be means making decisions that follow along those lines, that it's, mm-hmm. it's a constant, it's not just like, okay, set it and forget it with the, the morality. It's like mm-hmm. every time we have to make a decision, we have to make a decision that is in alignment with our philosophy, who we want to be. And they talk a lot about that on the show, about mm-hmm. deciding who you want to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how that ultimately affects the rest of your community, mm-hmm. too. Oh, when Ezekiel is talking about um, saving Shiva and um, that he was, like, kind of quiet and, and nerdy and, like, didn't talk to people much, was just, like, a zookeeper but when that happened he had to make a split second decision but he had to think about it for a second Mm -hmm. and he decided that that's the person i want to be i want to be the person who jumps in there to save the tiger yeah 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 this whole this whole show is in a a ethical and morally gray area uh just for 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 any given beat for beat moment i mean Mm-hmm. You know, pick an episode or pick a season. There's going to be something in there that you're like, ah, why <laughs> did, you know? And um, so I do have a couple of examples, I guess, when it comes down to morality and ethics. I think we talked about the 12, ang- 12 angry men situation mm-hmm. in the judge, jury, executioner episode with Dale and, and Randall. Mm-hmm. Um, then, okay, so I'm going to bring it up. I know it's a hard one to talk about, but The Grove. Oh, yeah. The Grove episode. That's a very uh, intense episode. Um, And I think that one even correlates to the book of Mice and Men, kind of. I think there's a a correlation there. But, um, But anyways, so... Lizzie, Lizzie's messed messed up, and she just doesn't understand that the walkers are dangerous. She thinks that they're her friends. Um, she's feeding rats to them, and all these kinds of things. When when they're in the prison, she gets to the grove, and she ultimately kills her sister, um, Mika. Mm-hmm. This obviously horrifies Tyrese and Carol. Um, they say what they got to say to get baby Judith away from Lizzie. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, if we put it in very clear terms, um, Carol executes Lizzie. Yeah. And I've had different conversations with different people over time about this particular situation. And, you know, some people are like, well, she did the right thing because, you know, she's just not right and she could put everybody in danger. But it's, it's 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 horrible to watch. Number one, um, you kind of feel for her because in that world, right, you can't get her medication, you can't take her to a doctor. Yeah. Um, when you're sleeping, how do you know she's not going to come after you? Things like this. Yeah. And so it's I under- mean, the fact that she does not have remorse after killing Mika, like she's excited. She's like, she's going to come back. Like, just give it like a few minutes. Mm-hmm. She's got a big smile on her face because she genuinely doesn't get it. Right. The biggest problem about this is not is Lizzie is a child. Mm-hmm. This is the problem with what you know what Carol did. 
Lizzie's still a child, period. It just, and if you knew she was kind of messed up this whole time, you probably should have never left those girls alone by themselves. Mm-hmm. Out of eye shot or anything like that. Like, this was a failure on Tyrese and Carol's part. I don't think they were they were able to accept that it was as bad as it was. I think that's bullshit. I, I mean, I'm sorry, not <laughs> like I, I think that it's bullshit for the characters to been through as much shit as that they've been through and not recognize the red flags and be more on guard about it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes and no, because I mean, you you can know something and not be willing to accept it. Hmm. And I think that's where they were at, that it was just like, nope, it's too hard. I don't want to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. You know, so, yeah, so, see, this is what I mean. This is this one, co- this episode, <laughs> we, it could be discussed for hours because oh, yeah. it's just this area of, okay, did she do, did she make the right decision? Did she not? I think she even had mentioned at one point to Tyrese, you know, I can just take her and you can take the baby and Mika and go. And Tyrese is like, no, I need you with me, you know? Yeah. But that might have been the better decision or, I mean... I don't know. But I mean, at the same time, what's to say that Lizzie wouldn't, you know, try to kill Carol in her sleep? No, I and I and I get that, but uh, I think they just needed to. I don't know. I just it's it's hard because it's like, what resources do you have? Because at that point, it's just them at this little cottage in the Grove. Like they have no support. Yeah, and I mean. This is going to, I don't know if this is going to sound horrible or not, but here we are. Um, But would it have almost even made more sense? Like, well, Lizzie, if you want to go play with the walkers, go play with the walkers and then let her learn her lesson if she's going to get killed as opposed (laughs) to just straight executing her. Like, you know what I mean? And that now that sounds very neglectful and I don't, I'm really not trying to be mean about this here, but just kind (laughs) of like. You know, as opposed to we've told you this many times, I'm trying to teach you a lesson, and then you get yourself in a situation where now you've learned your lesson, but it's too late. But it wasn't a straight up like execution, you know? I don't know. It's it's always hard with the like letting somebody get eaten thing. Like, is that an execution? Is it not an execution? The biggest, yeah, I think the biggest. It's a cop out for an ex- execution. It's like you know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, you're just not willing to do it yourself. So I think it's. You it's think the fact Car- that Carol was like, "I'll take care of it because I'm the grown up." Like I'm it's more merciful that way to do it that yeah. way. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think the biggest trouble with it all, just at all, is just that she's a child. Oh, for sure. You know, because if she was a grown up, it, it, you know, we can look at it different. It's just. I mean, in that case, she's not that all that different from the wolves who are just like, whatever, we'll we'll just destroy stuff because it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Ugh. Anyways, the Grove is always hard to watch because it's always, mm-hmm. I always then I start nitpicking at like the episodes before to kind of see where could they have made a different choice. Could it yeah. have been any different? It starts off so hopeful. Like they find this beautiful cottage. Yeah. There's all these pecan trees. Mm-hmm. Like they, they think they can make a home there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I'm I'm surprised. Like... And if you if you know she's dangerous, maybe make sure she doesn't have weapons on her when she's outside. I mean, I don't know. And also, she's got to be able to protect herself. But yeah, it's funky. That's 
Yeah. That's, a, that's a hard episode. It's a really hard episode. But I wanted to talk about it because it does fall in that. In oh, that, for sure. That, that heavy, thick ethical morality grounds of how how what would be the best way of handling this situation and under those circumstances you know we know what carol did but how do you feel about it you know um and then i also struggle with the first savior post um outpost raid yeah i struggle with that as a moral question um should they have raided the savers outpost while they were sleeping because it's one thing to fight somebody who's aware a fight is happening. Yeah. Uh, it's another thing to basically walk up in somebody's house. And that's if you ever watch like Unsolved Mysteries or any of these, you know, documentaries where, you know, usual suspects, unusual suspects, things like this. You know, that's a that's home invasion. That's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also we know that. The saviors have, we know who they are because yeah. Yeah. Um, Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham run into them on the road and they're immediately like, give us all your shit. Yeah. So they, they come at, they, they introduce themselves oh. being very aggressive and very like. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm aware. I'm totally aware of that piece. And the other piece uh, of it is uh, when Glenn and Heath are, you know, kind of in, in the outpost and mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. Glenn is having his struggle because up until that point, he had not killed another human, I, yeah. I believe. So yeah. uh, or living person. And um, he sees that wall full of pictures uh, of all the heads that have been batted in or whatever. So then foreshadowing. Yeah, really. And, and so it gives you this other side of, Oh, well, these are not good people. Yeah. You know, and then you, and, and, and here's how Dwight kind of ties into this because Dwight is doing things he doesn't want to be doing because he, he's being held in a kind of a purgatory because he he has to do these things so he could be near his wife. Mm-hmm. If Sherry wasn't a factor, Dwight might have just skipped already. Oh, for sure. So how do we know that the people who are sleeping are not in a situation like Dwight? Yeah. Well, maybe we're trying to figure a way out, but this is just what's required of them, right? We don't know. Yeah, and I mean we're we're coming from having dealt with. Woodbury and the governor and understanding like when you attack somebody they're going to come after you again yeah. so we gotta like that's the where their their heads are at yeah <laughs> yeah and um I guess I can say at the same time they're doing this because it's it's ensuring that they'll have s- food and sustenance mm-hmm. so this is a a, a move for them for a, oh. a long-term opportunity for having food at their disposal. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they they knew that not everybody at Woodbury knew what was going on, that most people didn't, that the governor was keeping a lot of secrets from people yeah. about how he was getting the supplies that he was getting. And so they're kind of doing the same thing that the governor was doing in, in a weird way. Like, they're able to excuse it because they're like, well, these guys are bad people. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly what the governor said about Team Rick. These are bad people. 
Right. We, we deserve their stuff more than they do. Right. I think the the slight difference is, is that the governor said that and nobody else had that experience. Yeah. Whereas with the saviors, there are a number of different people of the group who have had bad experiences with the saviors. Mm-hmm. And, well, and even with the governor, um, Sasha and Tyrese, who mm-hmm. have just met Rick and are like, yeah, he's crazy. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they're still like, no, we're not going to go attack these people. We don't know them. Yeah. I mean, he said he's crazy, but everybody else seemed pretty chill. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one guy. <laughs> oh, snap. Um, but yeah, so... Um, but yeah, so the the raid at the Savior Outpost that uh, I I sometimes I struggle with it. Sometimes I'm watching it and I'm like, yeah, nope, they're doing the right thing. But then there's sometimes I'm just like, I just don't know if that should they have at least given well, and them the a- fact that you have Tara, Gabriel, and Jesus all like waiting in the car, like three of the most moral ethical characters, and they're like, we're gonna hang back. Yeah. It's very interesting that Glenn decided to go. Yeah. Well, and I think he did that because Maggie's the one who made the deal with the Hilltop and Gregory. So, and she's... And if it hadn't been Glenn with Heath, Heath would have had to do it. He's the one who stopped him and was like, you don't need to do this. I will will take care of it so that you don't have to. Yeah. Yep. Anyways. So, yeah. I mean, these are just... This is not... Clearly not... Everything that we've just discussed here is, you know, the through and through of the morality and ethics uh, things that there's so much <laughs> that happened throughout the show. So, I mean, pick out some of your favorite ones that you struggle with, I think, um, and let us know, you know, because you know, there's sometimes I have to like just pause the sh- I've been doing the rewatch and sometimes I have to stop it, you know, yep. and then just contemplate what's happening or what I'm watching and kind of go. Man, that's a lot. <laughs> and just, yeah, you know, at least uh, like sit with it before moving on because yeah. um, it's one thing watching it week by week and a whole nother thing just binging it all the way through. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, didn't you want to talk about marriage? I did. Um, so the institution of marriage um, it, for, for the higher fan rather than the the couple being married, which is more lover's card. Mm-hmm. Um, what does the institution of marriage mean in a world where there is no government, there is no paperwork, there is no bureaucracy to, you know, say, here's your piece of paper that says you're married. Oh, you don't want to be together anymore. Here's your paper that says you're divorced. But also, you don't know how long this person is going to be with you. Like, Anybody could die at any time. So what are you really committing to? What is the the reasoning behind that that need to make something that official in some capacity rather than just saying we're a couple? Because like you have Rick and Michonne, who everybody understands are very much a couple, very much a team. Mm-hmm partners Mm -hmm. but they have no need to say we're married you know they don't refer to each other as husband and wife Um, and then we have uh glenn and maggie where he asks 
Herschel's permission, mm-hmm. get, wants his blessing. Mm-hmm. He gets a ring off of a walker. Mm-hmm. They don't have a ceremony, but it's as close to a traditional marriage as, as we get really get on the show. Yeah. I think in in that world, uh, so we'd have to say for at least, um, oh my God, Glenn and Maggie, they're what, maybe six months to a year into the apocalypse. So the theme of marriage um, and Glenn having known Maggie's dad and knowing that he's religious, it might have been a respect thing, you know? Um, and not being that far off of like, this is what the norm is. Mm -hmm. So I think for them being young and all that kind of contributes to them, um, following the institute, institutional practices of marriage Mm -hmm. and and getting married. Um, and she even takes his last name at one point. She introduces herself to, I think, Gregory as Maggie Ree. Oh, yeah. The Widow. Yeah. <laughs> Comma, The Widow. Yeah. Um, um, so I think so I think for them, there's that. Uh, Negan and his harem of wives. Mm-hmm. Um, as the saviors become such a force that they are almost their own kind of you know, government, institution, and all that stuff. Um, Negan is clearly doing that as a power play. Oh, yeah. He's not in love with any of those women. Um, He barely knows their names. Yeah, he's just doing it to keep some of the guys in check. Yep. That's just like how he has Dwight in check with with Sherry being, quote, one of his wives. Um, But Dwight and... Sherry were married pre-apocalypse, correct? Yep. Yeah, so there's there's that. Negan's such a douche. Well, and like Rick and um, Lori, yeah. they're at least emotionally separated when they're living in the, the prison before Judith is born. Yeah. Like, what? How, how do you divorce somebody when there's no paperwork? <laughs> Um, It's just interesting, like, how you decide what is and isn't your relationship in terms of marriage. Like the instant. Yeah, I mean, because if the world falls apart, there's no, like you said, there's no, uh, I guess it's it's said the best when they first get to the prison and they see the, the prisoners. And he's like, you don't get it. There's no phones. There's no police. There's no hospitals. There's, there's no government. There's no nothing. So... Right. How does marriage play a part in a post-apocalyptic world? I, I think it, it ends up being more about what marriage means to you in, personally mm-hmm. and not what it means to society, to everybody else. Because mm-hmm. who the fuck cares? They, they might not make it another couple days. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, there's more moral gray area or not moral gray area, but just institutional gray area. Uh, mm-hmm. Depending on what part of the show we're at, uh, when it comes down to, because if there's if the if the group it is big enough, there's a society happening, then the institution of marriage is a commun a communal one, 
right? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that these two people are together and they love each other. And uh, it's just, I love this person this much. I want to have a ceremony announcing, hey, I want to be with this person for the rest of my life, even if that's only two more days that we're, yeah. we don't know about. Um, so and that if would I have Ezekiel officiate that, that'd be amazing because he's going to give a great speech. Yeah. So that would, <laughs> because, um, Speaking of, Ezekiel gives a ring to Carol. Mm-hmm. He wants to marry Carol. And Carol. They are the only couple that we see who, you know, both people survive who break up. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Carol kind of is just like, she has, she hesitates for a really long time. Then she finally takes the ring. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they necessarily, quote, get married. I can't. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's more of a. But it's um, like a symbolic. She becomes Lady Carol, Queen Carol of the Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Like they, I don't think they, they feel the need to have a ceremony for it. Like everybody just kind of knows. I think he wanted one. I think she did. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That that man loves his pageantry. There's no way he's not <laughs> trying to have a wedding. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I think as the com- as we get into the again where the communities are all like more communicative with each other and things like this, that the institution of of what marriage is, even if there's not paperwork, it's just more of a this is how we group everybody, you know, mm-hmm. like okay, they're a family, that's the husband and wife, that's their kids or their adoptive kids, whatever, you know what I mean, and. But we've also changed the definition of family going through this. Like, yeah. Team Rick always refer to themselves as a family. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, like, we would know, like, this is all, like, Ezekiel's family. Anybody from the kingdom, that's his people. Yep. You know, but then we know, like, Jerry and Abila, that's, the, they have their yeah. little marriage and their little, you know, they're unit. they're adorable children. My God. They are. Their kids are so cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Yeah. But also, speaking speaking of marriage, because there's the there's like the the Chris the I really want to say there's like you said the institution of of marriage uh, mm-hmm. and what we understand now. But there's other cultures who have marriage ceremonies um, that it's not necessarily documented in the same way, but it's mm-hmm. recognized amongst the community. As mm-hmm. as a as a valid uh, spiritual, you know, um, yeah, ceremony, if you will, and well, and people who historically have not been legally allowed to get married, you know, mm-hmm. jumping the broom, it's still a ceremony. It's still people committing to each other, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's not recognized by the, any government or official body. Right. Yeah. And so I would guess that in in the world of The Walking Dead, there's not really a monetary aspect that comes from the marriage. Yeah, you're not doing your taxes together. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like the Institute of Marriage, there's tax breaks and all this other kind of stuff that happened. Mm -hmm. But in the world of The Walking Dead, that's not that's a non-factor. It's just we're all one community. We all have a job to do and it all contributes to the greater good. And that's it. You know. Yeah, It's more about the relationships and less about the labels. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 
This has been a very interesting conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're aiming for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. The Hierophant gave us a lot to uh, to pick through and consider. Uh, since we're done with our points, um, some community... So community feedback, I, I haven't seen anything from you guys on terms of the email address, but uh, I'll keep looking out and, you know, we'll respond as we receive stuff. Otherwise... We enjoy lurking, you guys lurking, so that's also cool. Uh, discussion question. Um, I am curious what moral and ethical situations within the show have you, you know, gave you pause to struggle with? You know, um, what, what episodes or situations did you have to sit with for a little while? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious because there's just so many, and I know we didn't cover them all, but I'm, I, it always, makes me curious as to what people struggle with. Mm -hmm. um, and I find, um, I'll probably circle back to this, this idea uh, later on anyways, but when I have these kinds of questions for me, this is what makes, uh, this is what makes TV a safe space, right. Mm -hmm. To explore these harder things. Like I'll sit down and I'll journal about it and I'll go, all right, I'm feeling some type of way. This is bothersome to me because X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. But mm -hmm. on the other hand, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And then I could just try to hash through those emotions without it being a real life situation. Yeah. Because then I can maybe better find words to express how I'm feeling in the future for something. If I'm feeling frustrated or overwhelmed or whatever. I didn't have that for a really long time where I didn't have words to just so I just feel I'm holding it all in. So anyway, so that's why I'm asking. I think this would be a good discussion question as to what are some of those ethical, moral grounds that, you know, gave you pause to to think about and how did that make you feel? Have you figured out, you know, you know, express into words what that is that you're feeling? And if you haven't, you know, uh, it'd be a good time to take a journal, talk, talk to a friend about that situation and like try to hash it out and, and find words too. Because I think as tarot readers too, we have to be able to find the vocabulary to mm. navigate mm. very difficult circumstances. And um, this is, this is the safe place to try to hash some of those things out prior to dealing with somebody's real life situation. Yeah. And I didn't mean to riff off too much more, but when we're as tarot readers too, there's also your own ethical code and your own moral code about what you will read, what questions you will read for. Definitely. And, you know, how you're going to approach it. Like I personally, if somebody's having a relationship thing, right, mm -hmm. a relationship problem and I'm reading for them in a relationship, I'm not going to read unless that person is there with them. I'm not going to read for the other person. I'm reading for the person who's asking the question. Mm -hmm. And maybe there'll be a significator in relation to that person that they might be describing, but I'm not prying into that other person's life. For me, yeah. it's a it's both a practical matter and an ethical matter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you need to talk to somebody, go talk to them. Ask yeah. the questions you need to ask. Don't use tarot <laughs> to ask the questions about what's going on in somebody's life when, again... Don't try to get answers from the cards that you could get by just asking a person directly. Correct. Correct. Um, especially when there's a, a wonder, a wondering 
happening that could lead to heightened sense of uh, emotions, whether it be worry or distrust or whatever. Like you have to have that conversation first. But again, just the ethical and moral thing about being a tarot reader is important um, in a lot of cases. And it's so individual. Like it is. You're, you are absolutely free to disagree. <laughs> yeah. You are free to read your cards your way. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying the way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not on a soapbox. But it's it's something that everybody should think about it. Yeah. I find that when I go to readers to get readings, like usually most people have like a website or something. Mm-hmm. If they don't have a little code of something, that worries me because yeah. – um. I just want to know that it was thought about and considered. Yeah. Um, you know, and because it's important, it's just not it. Reading tarot is already stigmatized as is. Um, mm-hmm. And in most cases it has to be labeled as entertainment, but for a lot of us, it is a spiritual thing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it could be practical. It could be uh, if you have the training, you know, there's, there's, um, like psychologists who use tarot and and things like this. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a collective, it is this spiritual tool that's used for, for advice and and what have you. And, but what does that mean? We are all over the world. Yeah. What, what are your, what are your, you know, what will you read for? What won't you read for? If, you know, if you have people, coming to you for readings that you don't like to read for, do you have it listed anywhere that this is just not your forte and that you'd prefer to do these kinds of readings instead? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm bringing it up just because it is the Hierophant and uh, this is the kind of... Yeah, that's definitely the card to talk about it. Yeah, you know, so just things to consider, you know, the way I do things is not how everybody needs to do things. I'm not telling y'all what to do. I'm just bringing it up as a conversation and some things to contemplate about. Yeah. All right. Um, so next episode, we will be discussing the lovers. And you already know, don't forget to uh, subscribe so you know when we upload new episodes. We can be found on many of your pod catchers as well as on YouTube. Um, additional information for this episode will be found on our website, tarotnerds.com. And don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. Um, We hope that you found this episode insightful and fun. Thank you for listening to TV and Tarot Talk. No matter where you are, don't forget to take some time out of your week to chill, Chill, chat, chat, and tarot. Catch you on the next one. Lizzie.